Hello there, Allie. We hope you're enjoying your day in San Francisco. With a high of 56 degrees and a low of 49, it sounds like a light jacket kind of day. Morning showers giving way to a few clouds by evening. Sounds pretty nice to me. And here's what's on your news radar for today. First up, a breakthrough in AI technology as Groke, an AI chip company founded by a former Google engineer, showcases language processing units that could change how we interact with AI chatbots. I'm Steve Onsker. And I'm Jonathan Martin. You're listening to Early Bird News from PocketPod News. Meanwhile, tensions are high as the United States alleges Russia is developing a space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon. Putin denies these claims amidst concerns of violating the Outer Space Treaty. And in response to Russia's continued aggression in Ukraine and the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny, the U.S. is set to announce significant sanctions aimed at Moscow's defense and industrial sectors. With all this unfolding on the global stage, stay right here with us. We've got all the news you need to start your day off right. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. The race to create the most efficient and fastest AI chips is heating up, and one company, Grok, is making headlines with its recent demonstrations. That's right. Grok's language processing units, or LPUs, have shown they can run large language models like ChatGPT and their own Gemini and Grok at speeds that leave current industry standards in the dust. These demos have gone viral, sparking discussions about the future of AI applications. And it's not just about speed. The potential for real-time verbal interactions with AI chatbots could transform customer service, gaming, and even how we interact with smart devices at home. But questions remain about how scalable this technology is compared to giants like NVIDIA's GPUs. To dive deeper into what this means for the future of AI and how Grok's technology stacks up against the competition, we're joined by PocketPod news technology analyst Paige Owens. Paige, can you break down these developments for us? Absolutely, Steve. Uh, Grok's recent demonstrations have really turned heads in the tech community. They've showcased their AI chips, particularly the language processing units or LPUs, as a significant leap forward in processing speed for large language models like ChatGPT and others. The most striking aspect was their claim of achieving the world's fastest large language models, with viral demos over a weekend showing speeds that made existing chatbots seem sluggish by comparison. That sounds impressive. How exactly does Grok's technology compare to current versions of AI chatbots? Well, the comparisons are quite stark. For instance, Grok's technology outperforms not just current iterations of ChatGPT, but also other notable names like Gemini and Elon Musk's Grok. This isn't just about marginal improvements. We're talking about a leap that could fundamentally change how practical and responsive AI chatbots are for real-world applications. The demonstrations highlighted speeds that could genuinely make real-time verbal interactions with AI not just possible, but seamless. Can you tell us more about these language processing units? How do they work? Sure, Steve. LPUs are essentially designed as inference engines by Grok, making them faster than what's currently seen as the industry standard, NVIDIA's GPUs. A third-party test from Artificial Analysis published last week put this into numbers. Grok can produce 247 tokens per second compared to Microsoft's 18 tokens per second. 
This is groundbreaking because it means LPUs can enhance the speed of chatbots significantly without needing to replace existing systems completely. Moving on to real-time AI applications, how might this technology change our interactions with AI? The potential here is vast. With LPUs providing such an increase in processing speed, we're looking at the possibility of having real-time verbal conversations with AI chatbots that feel natural and fluid. Removing the robotic delays we've grown accustomed to in current interactions, this could transform customer service, virtual assistance, and even social companionship provided by AIs. There seems to be a trend with the name Grok within the tech industry. Can you explain its significance? Yes, Grok comes from Robert Heinlein's 1961 science fiction book, Stranger in a Strange Land. Signifying a deep understanding or intuition, it's fascinating to see multiple entities within AI and tech adopting variations of this name. It underscores a broader ambition towards achieving profound comprehension through technology. Jonathan Ross claimed his company was first to use it back in 2016. And what about scalability concerns? How does Grok's technology fare there? Scalability is indeed one of the big questions surrounding Grok's advancements. While these LPUs show incredible potential in terms of processing speed for large language models, it remains unclear how they'll scale compared to established solutions like NVIDIA's GPUs or Google's TPUs. Scalability is essential for wider adoption across various fields and applications. It sounds like Grok is on the verge of something potentially revolutionary for AI interaction, but still faces significant challenges ahead. Exactly, Steve. While there's understandable excitement around these developments from Grok, their full impact and adaptability remain to be seen as they confront scalability challenges head-on. Paige Owens, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Tensions between the United States and Russia have taken a new turn, with concerns now reaching beyond our planet. That's right. The U.S. has raised alarms over what it believes to be Russia's development of a space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon. Such a weapon could jeopardize everything from military communications to our everyday phone-based services. Despite these serious allegations, Russian President Vladimir Putin has firmly denied any plans to deploy nuclear weapons in space, citing the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, which outright bans such actions. But the situation remains complex. While official comments from the White House are sparse, there's a broader concern about the potential violation of international treaties and the impact on already strained U.S.-Russian relations. To help us navigate through this high-stakes issue, we're joined by PocketPod News international political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Sarah, how significant are these developments in the context of global security and diplomatic relations? Jonathan, these developments are incredibly significant. The allegations that Russia is developing a space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon not only raise severe concerns for global security, but also mark a potential escalation in the already tense relations between the United States and Russia. This situation touches on several critical areas, military security, space exploration ethics, and international law, particularly considering the Outer Space Treaty of 1967. Let's start with the alleged Russian space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon. What do we know about it? Well, according to U.S. sources, there's a belief that Russia is in the process of developing a nuclear weapon designed for deployment in space, 
that could potentially disrupt not just military communications, but also civilian services that we've come to rely on daily, like phone-based ride services. A source indicated that this system could involve placing a nuclear explosive device into orbit around Earth. The disclosure came out on February 20th, heightening concerns over the intentions and capabilities of Russia's space endeavors. And what has been Russia's response to these allegations? Russian President Vladimir Putin and his defense minister have both denied these reports. Putin emphasized Russia's commitment to peace in outer space and reiterated their stance against deploying nuclear weapons beyond our atmosphere. This is in line with the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, which explicitly prohibits such actions. How has the U.S. officially responded to these developments? Interestingly, both the White House and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence have declined to comment directly on these allegations. However, a White House spokesperson did mention that deploying such a system would clearly violate the Outer Space Treaty, suggesting an awareness and concern over these developments without giving an official stance. And speaking of treaty violations, can you elaborate more on why this development is seen as a violation? Absolutely. The Outer Space Treaty was signed in 1967 by multiple countries, including both the United States and Russia. It's foundational to international space law and prohibits placing objects carrying nuclear weapons into Earth's orbit or installing them on celestial bodies. The alleged development by Russia directly contravenes this treaty and raises significant legal and ethical questions about militarizing space. This must have implications for U.S.-Russian relations as well? Indeed, it does. Relations between Washington and Moscow are already strained following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February 2022. These latest allegations risk further exacerbating tensions between the two nations at a time when diplomatic relations are already at one of their lowest points since the Cuban Missile Crisis. I understand there have been public warnings about this potential development as well? That's correct. U.S. intelligence agencies, along with political figures, have issued warnings about Russia's potential development of this technology as posing a serious national security threat. Notably, on February 14th, a Republican chair issued such a warning without going into specifics. And there are media reports suggesting possible deployment times for this weapon? Yes, some reports suggest that Russia might deploy either an actual or mock nuclear warhead into space as early as this year. Beyond intentional use concerns lie fears over accidental explosions, which could disrupt satellites essential for various global communications and navigation systems. Sarah, wrapping up our discussion today, how should we view these allegations against Russia concerning global security and satellite communication systems? Jonathan, these allegations underscore profound security concerns at national and international levels while highlighting how crucial maintaining diplomatic channels is amid escalating tensions between major powers like the United States and Russia. While Russian officials deny such developments citing adherence to international treaties like the Outer Space Treaty, 
These reports fuel concerns over potential treaty violations and their implications for global security, especially considering our increasing dependency on satellite communication systems. That was PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. In a bold move, the United States is ramping up its response to Russia's actions on two troubling fronts. Right. President Joe Biden announced a major package of sanctions aimed at Russia in light of the tragic death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny and the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. This sweeping action targets Russia's defense capabilities, its industrial base and vital revenue sources. And it's not just about penalizing Russia for its military aggression. These sanctions also serve as a clear stance against human rights abuses highlighted by Navalny's death under suspicious circumstances. To understand the depth and potential impact of these sanctions, we'll be joined by PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher. She's been closely following the developments from Washington and has insights into the international discussions taking place across Europe. Yes, Steve. The recent announcement by President Joe Biden marks a significant moment in U.S. foreign policy towards Russia. The sanctions set to be unveiled on February 20, 2024, come as a direct response to two major provocations – the death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny and the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. This package of sanctions aims to target Russia's defence and industrial bases alongside severing major revenue streams for the Russian economy. Could you dive a bit deeper into what these sanctions entail and their intended impact on Russia? Absolutely, Steve. By focusing on crippling Russia's defence and industrial capabilities – the U.S. is aiming to directly impact its capacity for military operations and economic stability. This means going after key industries that support Russia's military infrastructure and cutting off access to vital economic resources that fuel these operations. The intention here isn't just punitive, it's strategic, reducing Moscow's ability to sustain its military aggression in Ukraine and elsewhere. It sounds like there's a strong emphasis on accountability for Navalny's death as well as the Ukraine war. Indeed, Steve, White House officials have been clear about their objectives. Holding Russia accountable for Navalny's tragic death and its unprovoked military actions in Ukraine are at the forefront of this initiative. Navalny's sudden demise after falling unconscious at a penal colony has drawn international condemnation and demands for transparency from Moscow about the circumstances leading up to his death. These sanctions serve as a tangible response from the international community, signalling an unwillingness to turn a blind eye toward human rights abuses or acts of international aggression. And what about discussions in Europe? How are they approaching this? Discussions have been ongoing across Germany, Belgium and France, with Brian Nelson spearheading conversations related to targeting those who finance Russia's war efforts. These talks highlight an important aspect of international collaboration against Russian aggression, cutting off financial networks that support Moscow's military operations. It's clear there's a concerted effort, not just from the US, but also among European allies, to address these issues comprehensively. Given the history of sanctions against Russia, how do these new measures stack up? Historically speaking, Steve, the US has enacted various sanctions targeting President Putin himself, along with officials, banks and individuals linked to both the invasion of Ukraine and Navalny's poisoning. These new measures represent an escalation in terms of breadth and depth, aiming not just at individuals but at entire sectors crucial for Russia's economic and military capabilities. So what should we be looking out for moving forward? 
Moving forward, it will be crucial to monitor how these sanctions impact Russia's economy and military operations. Additionally, observing how Moscow responds will offer insights into potential shifts in global geopolitical dynamics. Also noteworthy will be the responses from international allies. Their support or lack thereof could influence both the effectiveness of these sanctions and future diplomatic relations with Russia. That was PocketPod News World Affairs correspondent Rose Fletcher. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Steve. And that's Early Bird News for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Allie. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.